today we are going to hear from the top candidates vying for a seat in Congress. The 2nd Congressional District covers a neighbor island in parts of Oahu outside of Honolulu. We start with Democratic Party nominee Kai Kahele. He overwhelmingly won the party's primary by garnering 66% of the vote, and he, who announced very early on that he had his sights set on the seat in our nation's capital. Today, his candidacy got a big boost. Democratic uh, presidential nominee Joe Biden endorsed Kahele for the open seat. The Big Island lawmaker and pilot has raised a million dollars. That's several times more for this race than all the other candidates combined. Uh, his closest competitor is Republican Joe Akana. He's raised $44,000. Now, Kaheli's uh, political rise has been swift. In 2016, Governor David Ige appointed him to the state Senate seat of his late father, Gil Kaheli. In the election uh, later that year, uh, Kai won the seat uh, outright, and he was reelected in 2018. In January of 2019, Kai Kaheli announced he would challenge Tulsi Gabbard for the 2nd Congressional District seat. She was elected to that office in 2012. Gabbard eventually decided not to run for re-election and instead focused on a presidential run. Kaheli spoke with the Conversations producer, Jason Ubai, about his top priorities if he's elected. You know, the most important thing right now is getting through the coronavirus pandemic. And I think there's a lot uh, within that that we can find compromise and things and issues that we agree on, making sure that people are not evicted from their homes, making sure people have uh, that have lost their jobs have health care, making sure that small businesses that have had to close down have uh, extended you know, payroll payment protection plans in place so they can continue to keep their uh, employees employed, which as a result would keep those employees on their health care insurance plans and those critical benefits. You know, th those are the most immediate things that come to my mind. Of course, you know, providing additional resources and funds to the various different states and counties and municipalities so that they can implement, you know, various degrees of measures to address the pandemic, whether it's, you know, stockpiling test kits, uh, PPE, making sure various states implement, you know, a robust contact tracing program and the resources that it takes to do that. Um, I think those are, are issues we can all agree on uh, that this country needs in order to get to this pandemic and start to put some type of normalcy back together in America right now. How does your experience make you qualified for this job? Well, you need experience. You know, this is not something that you just wake up one morning and just decide to run for Congress. You know, you need to have uh, experience. You need to be, in my opinion, you know, I'm in the military. I like to use the word battle-tested. Uh, you need to be ready to go to Washington, D.C. to fight for Hawaii. You know, we're 5,000 miles away from Washington, D.C. We have a very small four-member delegation. You know, we are geographically one of the most isolated states in the entire country. We need a delegation that can work together. We need all hands on deck. And with that comes experience that I have gained as a state senator for the last four years in Hawaii State Legislature. You know, I have chaired the Higher Education Committee and oversaw the entire University of Hawaii system, seven community colleges, three four-year campuses. I have chaired the Water Land Committee, one of the most challenging, complex, and difficult committees in the Hawaii State Senate because it deals with very polarizing issues, water rights, of the public land trust, 
these are very, very challenging issues. And every year, you know, as a chair for the last two years, I've had to deal with those. And you try to find a balance between the two. I've served three out of the last four years in the state Senate leadership. I was a uh, Senate majority whip in my second year, and I became the Senate majority floor leader in my third year. I've been a majority floor leader now for two years. That really important level of experience, um, not just representing Hilo, but representing the entire state and representing key committees in the Senate, I truly believe has given me the experience to represent uh, Hawaii in the United States Congress. You know, I, um, I have a unique background. You know, I have a, uh, a, a wide breadth of experience. You know, I'm a commercial airline pilot for Hawaiian Airlines, a 20-year lieutenant colonel in the National Guard. I've led C-17 combat missions as the mission commander, responsible for a $300 million aircraft and a crew of, you know, 12 to 15 members uh, into uh, some of the most hostile environments uh, on the planet. And it brought those missions back successfully, returned those crew members back to their families safely. That's the type of experience that you need. You know, I've been flying as a commercial airline pilot for the last 10 years. I'm responsible for 300 people that trust me with their lives in that aircraft. That's the type of leader you, you need in Washington, D.C., somebody who has experience, somebody who has vision, somebody who uh, is willing to work hard, somebody who has already been put in difficult, critical decisions, who have had to make, you know, life or death decisions immediately on the spot. And that's what I bring to the uh, United States Congress, and, and uh, that's what Hawaii needs right now. And frankly, that's what our country needs right now. It needs servant leadership. What policy or legislation will you pursue in Congress to help the residents of Hawaii? You know, eight months ago, my answer would have been differently. But there's no question right now it's coronavirus, and we got to get through that. You know, one of the most important things I think the new Congress is going to have to do is address how to put this country back together. You know, as a vaccine is developed, as states, you know, start to hopefully emerge from the pandemic, uh, as, as we get a handle on this and, and hopefully case counts start to, start to get lower, and we need to start to put our economy back. The most important thing, Right now, like I said, is uh, coronavirus relief. For Hawaii, there are a lot of things that need to happen for Hawaii, but four of the things that are priorities of mine, uh, the first thing would be payment prote uh, protection program relief funds, grant funds for small businesses, so that small businesses can stay open. We've all seen Lika Lika Drive-In shut its doors. We've all seen mom-and-pop uh, iconic businesses that are part of the very fabric of Hawaii closed down because of the coronavirus. We need to stop that immediately, and we need to provide those small businesses the immediate financial support that they need. The second thing, we need to think about the basic health, welfare of every individual in Hawaii, and, and some of the basic needs that people have, amongst other things, is housing. So we need to make sure that people who can't pay their rent because they've lost their job have rental assistance so that they can continue to make their mortgage payment or that they can continue make their rent payment. Number three, uh, I really believe we need to do another round of stimulus checks into, you know, those individuals that qualify for them. Uh, and that, that, that ranges at about $1,200 uh, for a stimulus check. And I don't know if it can be just one time. You know, it might need to be multiple stimulus checks to get people through the next 
um, you know, six months to a year. And, and number four is in the first CARES package, the state of Hawaii got a significant amount of money, almost a billion dollars. Of that, uh, several hundred million was allocated to the city and county of Honolulu. Like other states in the country where major metropolitan centers got CARES fund and relief. But what was left out of that were smaller counties, and they had to depend on the uh, respective governors to allocate resources to those various different counties. And as an example, I live on Hawaii Island, and Governor Ige allocated about $80 million to the county of Hawaii. Well, I would like to allocate about $500 million directly to the counties of Kauai, Maui, and Hawaii County in addition to Honolulu County. But I want to make sure that neighbor island counties do not get left behind. That was Kai Kahele, the Democratic nominee for U.S. Congress District 2. He was talking with our producer, Jason Ubai. We will hear from the Republican and Aloha Aina Party candidates right after the break. Support for Hawaii Public Radio comes from locations whose realtors and staff help individuals and families start their next home story since 1969. Updated property listings with photos and select virtual tours at locationshawaii.com. The general election is just around the corner, and today we're learning more about the frontrunners in the race for Hawaii's 2nd Congressional District. Joe Akana beat out eight other GOP challengers to win the Republican primary in August. You may have seen him on the road campaigning in his red RV, affectionately dubbed Clifford. Akana is a graduate of Kamehameha Schools and served 10 years as an intelligence analyst in the U.S. Air Force. He received his bachelor's degree in human resource management and a master's degree in business administration from Hawaii Pacific University. Akana retired from federal civil service before turning his attention to politics. He talked about his campaign with producer Lillian Song, starting by highlighting issues that he would work across the aisle for and compromise if necessary in a Congress that is deeply divided. Well, I think the most important thing we need to work on right now is the economy. You know, the post-COVID-19 recovery economy, which we see happening a lot in in the in the mainland, but we don't see it happening here. That is due in large part to the draconian lockdown measures imposed by you know the current you know, the state and as well as the state legislature and the governor uh, and the mayors. It's just those things that we got to get that done. As far as working across and getting um, the economy done uh, up in speed, I think the most important thing we can focus on is is actually streamlining the business processes for the people here, right, especially for businesses through the SBA. We need to be, we need to be streamlining and make it more easier for those businesses that have had, that have been actually been able to stay open. We've already lost, like, 1,600 businesses in the state of Hawaii. So we need to be able to make access to those loan programs much, much easier uh, through the SBA. But we also need to be able to work on, you know, how do we lower taxes or continue lowering taxes? The more money we can put in our people's pockets, the better we are. And those are the kind of things we have to be focusing on to help people recover, help families recover. And they got to be able to, you know, work on not being, not being evicting families and not kicking them out of their house and not foreclosing on their homes. And it's taken a long time for the state legislature here to actually use the money that they've been given in order to make things happen. Um, and that's where we got to get. That we got what we got to continue to work on. How did your experience make you qualified for this job? Well, that's a great question. 
I think most important that maybe most people don't know is working at the U.S. Pacific Command here in, in Honolulu, um, I had an opportunity. I went back to the Washington, D.C. I actually lived there for a year. I uh, had an opportunity to get my master's degree in strategic intelligence. And while I was there, we had many opportunities to in, engage with, uh, with congressional personnel, uh, people up on Congress sit through uh, uh, meetings like the House Armed Services Committee meeting, the Senate Armed Services Committee meeting, just to learn those processes. Um, when I came back home in uh, 2014, because I was up there for a year, I had an opportunity to apply that, what I had just learned up there, um, to help our command here. We had been given a whole different mission set, and we had the actual ability to go out and um, procure about $32 million from the Assistant Secretary of Defense. We laid out a program, established the requirements of what we needed, and when he came here, we presented it to him, and he basically wrote us the check uh, for $32 million. Um, we also then gave him the idea of we also needed a, about 100 people to fulfill that mission set, and he agreed and uh, agreed to allow us to hire on another 100 people. So those kind of experiences, um, also my experiences in the intelligence world itself has given me a lot of uh, ideas of what we see, and in the experience in the business world. In addition to what I've done here, what we were just talking about as far as my career-wise, I've also had the opportunity to own uh, several businesses. And so I have an understanding of what that means to um, be able to live on the, I'll, I'll say it this way, to be able to write the check as well as to be able to cash the check. I've been on both sides of that and been able to do both. What policy or legislation will you pursue in Congress to help the residents of Hawaii? Yeah, I think the most important legislation we can look at right now, and, and that is for the Hawaii, people of Hawaii, is an update to the Jones Act. What we have seen and what we have noticed um, is that with the, from the research we got from the Grassroots Institute of Hawaii, as well as from the Cato Institute, is that by updating the Jones Act, so it essentially is taking that information and updating one tenement of the Jones Act. And when I say one, the one tenement is the made in the USA portion. Um, because of what that does, if we, if we change that, right now there's only two shipbuilding facilities in the U.S. to accommodate all the shipping we need that we need to have. Right? With only having two, they produce about two to five ships a year. But we need to be able to get or have access to 30 to 40 to 50 ships a year in order to be able to accommodate the shipping that we need. The information from Grassroots Institute and Cato basically said that if we, by updating the Jones Act, we could save the state $1.2 billion per year or approximately $1,800 per family. And that's one of those things that would help. The other thing we can do with this Jones Act is it allows for what I'm going to call a Hawaii to become a port of entry, meaning a federal port of entry, which means we add on um, uh, jobs that can be come in and we can add on, we can create more jobs, we can create more jobs for the construction industry, we create more jobs for the stevedores, and the, we create more jobs for the unions. I mean, we just create more jobs all the way around and it makes things much better. We also have to have a different level of security within these ports of entry. And so those are things that also, again, adding on. But it's not just Honolulu Harbor. You'd end up having to build out all of the harbors, essentially, right? Whether it be on Kauai, Nuiliwili, uh, or Kahului Harbor in Maui, or even Kauai High and Hilo out on the um, Big Island. 
you have to build all of those ports with the accommodating jobs that go with it. So those are the one things that I would like to do as far as my initial, I'm going to say 30, 60, 90 day program is start that process. I've actually already started working and opening the lines of communication with uh, Elaine Chow. She's the uh, Secretary of uh, Transportation. Um, working with her and trying to uh, trying to open that up and start that process. So we're already in the process of moving that along. I have basically three core values that I will always defend and I'll always uh, always always strive to re- attain. And the three cores are my my faith, uh, my family, and my freedoms. I will stand for those every single day. Um, my faith being my faith in my in my 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 Lord and Savior, and um, my family to take care of them. And also in the freedoms that we have as you know, U.S. citizens to take care of our citizens and take care of our people and defend our constitutional rights that we have. Um, those are things that, I, I again, I will stand every day for those. I, I will not falter on it, and I will not go away from because those are things that we cannot let go. We need to be taking care of our families. We need to be taking care of our vets. We need to be taking care of our um, um, you know, our, our police officers. We need to defend those guys. We need to be taking care of our um, again, our, our kids, our children, our futures. You know, our, our state motto is Uomao Ka'eo Ka'ene Kapono. And yet we're not doing anything to defend and take care of our children much better than we need to. Because they are our future, and that's where we need to be focused on is taking care of them. That was Republican Joe Akana running in the general election to replace Representative Tulsi Gabbard in Congressional District 2. Uh, Kana is currently president of Arid Management, Inc., and also works as a business development coach for startup businesses and entrepreneurs. Coming up in the show, we'll hear from Aloha Aina candidate Jonathan Ho'omanavanui. Support for HPR comes from the Honolulu Museum of Art. The new exhibition, Okalani, features works by Native Hawaiian artists Sean K. L. Brown and Imai Kalani Kalahele through January 3rd. HonoluluMuseum.org. We've reached out across the continent to talk to Nick Gruby. He joins us for a reality check. He has a story uh, related to the Congressional District 2 in particular, uh, Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard's future. Good morning, Nick. Hi, Catherine. Thank you so much for having me. So now this news about Tulsi bidding Aloha Hawaii and Hello California. (laughs) How did that come about? Well, what Tulsi Gabbard has done recently is she has left the Hawaii Army National Guard and transferred it into an Army Reserve unit that's based in California. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that she is leaving Hawaii. It just means that she is transferring her part-time military service to a base over in California. And so the way that it's uh, typically set up, uh, we've all heard the phrase, uh, one week in a month, two weeks a year. Uh, she'll have to show up at this base in California once a month um, to go through her various training um, and, and uh, requirements to be in the Army Reserve and, of course, go on training missions elsewhere, which, of course, she is currently on one now. Uh, to become a civil affairs officer within the Army Reserve. Um, now, of course, this is all part of uh, the uh, of, of Tulsi Gabbard's future because she, we're, we're waiting to see what exactly it is she does after um, 
the end of this year when she is no longer a member of Congress. So we don't know for sure whether she's just going to move to California or just, uh, uh, you know, stay here in Hawaii and, and commute to work for this new stint. At, at this point, yeah, correct. At this point, we're, we're unsure. And, and the reason for that is uh, Tulsi Gabbard hasn't told anybody about this. Um, in, in fact, it was sort of a surprise to many people, including uh, the spokesman of the Hawaii Army National Guard, who when I reached out to him to ask uh, about her, her her service with with the Army National Guard, he had relayed that she was no longer with the National Guard, in fact, was with the Army Reserve, um, and that she had transferred out of the Army National Guard in June, and he didn't realize until August that she had left when he saw a press release saying that she was on Army Reserve duty in Alaska. Um, now, of course, some of the listeners might be wondering, why does this matter, uh, or why should this matter? And, you know, I think that for many people in Hawaii, they've been wondering uh, about where Tulsi Gabbard will land. There's been a lot of speculation uh, about uh, her future career and whether it will be in politics or in some other arena. Uh, what, what this what this tends to show is that she is trying to advance her military career uh, in the Army Reserve because she will have more opportunities for promotion and career advancement. But at the same time, we also know that she has converted her presidential campaign account into a leadership PAC or political action committee that will allow her to continue raising money uh, and donating to candidates and other political causes should she choose to do so. Well, I know that uh, there was a lot of speculation uh, when she turned up at a... um a town hall meeting with a lieutenant governor. Some thought that she might be a, a candidate to, to run with him on on the ticket. Um, you know, what did the the political pundits say? Well, the political pundits uh, they are as confounded as most everyone else about what Tulsi Gabbard plans for her future. Uh, again, a big part of that is she she does play her cards pretty close to the vest. She uh, rarely. Um, has, has in-depth interviews with the media, uh, and when, when that does happen, she she almost never talks about what her future political ambitions might be. But the speculation really runs the gamut. I mean, I've heard everything from um, uh, her running for lieutenant governor in two years uh, when Josh Green is uh, expected to be on the ticket uh, I've heard whispers of her possibly running for Senator Maisie Hirono's seat if and when that does become available. Um, of course, there there was a point where uh, people in Brian Schatz's camp were wondering if she was going to maybe challenge him for us uh, uh, for for reelection, perhaps in 2022 as well. Now, uh, and, and of course, the other the the other. Uh, Part of this that some people say is that maybe she uh, will become a pundit on, say, a cable news station such as Fox, uh, CNN, or MSNBC. Interesting. Yeah, uh, that's possible. Anything's possible, I guess, at this point. But yeah, she does keep people guessing. But thanks so much, Nick. We appreciate the story. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate your time. 
All right. That was Honolulu Civil Beat's Nick Ruby with today's reality check. Head to civilbeat.org to read more. As we wrap up our overview of the candidates running for Hawaii 2nd Congressional District, we now turn to a third-party candidate in the running, Jonathan Ho'omanawanui. He's a member of Hawaii's Aloha Aina Party. It was formed in 2015 and promotes traditional Hawaiian values. It also advocates for better transparency and accountability among Hawaii's elected officials. An Army veteran and former football coach, Ho'omana Vanui, identifies education, veteran care, and COVID-19 relief as key issues that Hawaii currently faces. He tells producer Harrison Patino that he believes political change in Hawaii and in the country has stagnated. We're kind of stuck in a way we vote. We vote party. I mean, if we, we get away from voting for party and we vote the person that's going to do the job for the, for the people of Hawaii, I think they, they would come out with a, with a, with a better result. And I hate to say that, but uh, the party's been uh, fighting against each other. I mean, it's all about party here. I mean, state of Hawaii, we got our own econ- economic issues. I think we should vote for the person. We're going to pay this guy $187,000 a year of taxpayers' dollars. We need the most qualified guy in that position. I can tell you right now, and I'm the most qualified guy in that position. I'll, I'll just elaborate something about me. I, I testify in Congress annually on, on behalf of 1.7 million members. And we passed that law up there, that bill was a 299 Act of the uh, Blue Water Navy Act. With that said, it allows veterans the uh, opportunity uh, after 55 long years now. The, the, we're talking about Vietnam veterans that, that serve on a Navy ship. And we're giving them the opportunity now to uh, apply for those presumptives of Agent Orange. Besides that, I'm coming in a different party. I'm running for the Aloha Aina Party. I think uh, the people that comes from the Aloha State should be you know, affiliated with, uh, with, with the people with Aloha, I, I just, you know, I can't say much more, but you asked me the question about how would I, you know, collaborate up there in Congress and this and that. Yeah, that's the whole thing about this. Um, if we get people in the office that, that knows what they're doing, they're going to get their money's worth. We're talking it's only a two-year seat, but we need somebody that's, that's going to work. I mean, I worked at the VA for three and a half years, and I got that position by... People in Washington, D.C., a couple of directors walked in there, said, look like a trustworthy guy. Hey, would you like to be an accredited service officer approved by the general uh, office of general counsel? Now, to get this kind of accreditation, it takes a year and a half. But I got mine. I ended up producing $9.4 billion for veterans and their families in compensation. We all know that the VA is a hard place to rock. I mean, Tulsi Gabbard had told me that, you know, hey, you know, I, I've been to VA twice, uh, two times, and they stonewalled me, but... All I could say was, Tulsi, that they're improving. Maybe not as fast as, as we think uh, VA should improve uh, by taking care of our veterans. Um, and, and that is one of the main issues. Besides uh, my, my program that I want to run for the state of Hawaii, it's a 5 by 5 uh, lottery pilot program. It's five years. It's temporary. At the end of every year, we're going to take an assessment, evaluation of, of where we stand as far as money is concerned, because we all know right now the pandemic has hampered the, the, the economy uh, here. Uh, tourism, we can't depend on that. And that was the major money-making uh, money industry that brought money to the state of Hawaii. And then we're talking about federal funding. You know, federal funding, it's not going to come. we got a global pandemic going on. Yeah, it'll come.
but most of that, over half of that goes to Hawaii's taxes, and the rest goes to the state of Hawaii. Something's wrong someplace in between. I believe that um, my 5 by 5 program will help us recover quicker than we think. Uh, we, there's over a million people that are living in Hawaii. If everybody uh, donates to the lottery program a dollar a day, sheesh, we got what, over, over $900,000 a day. I mean, it's just simple math, um, common sense, a lot of common sense. For me, in Congress, when I make the decision, it's going to be all about, number one, primary research, number two, secondary research, which includes data, statistics, number three, with common sense, and working collaboratively, I mean, working side by side, giving those other constituents, giving those other colleague, colleagues the, uh, the, the impression that, hey, take a look at this. This is what research found, and that's how I would take your business up there. Going back to the five-year, uh, five-by-five program, there's five things that it's going to support, and the money is going to be funneled through that program with safeguards in place, making sure policies are in place at the same time, making sure the charters are written correctly. And these are the words STEEP. STEEP stands for S, Sustainable Infrastructure. That's how we're going to do it. And then T is taxes. The E, education. The other E is for elderly health care. And the P, which stands for public safety. I mean, this 5x5 five by five by five program is one of the main programs that I think that we can recover with the state of Hawaii being in a pandemic, being in a crisis that we're in right now. That's the program that I want to take for here and for, the, and, and for national. Now, at the national level, my program and my focus is on cybersecurity. Cybersecurity is very, very important. The cyber, nowadays, computers and, and, and numbers, they all run what? Uh, they're all the gateway to a lot of the, uh, the, which we call social media, to uh, children, uh, to, uh, to prevent also the, uh, the human trafficking, which is child trafficking. I mean, so we got to keep our, uh, our uh, domestic uh, community safe, uh, as well as we got CIA working in the international level, and then we got the FBI taking care of that. But now um, that's how I would work with people, and I believe my 5x5 five, five, five five program would be the, the solution to the state of Hawaii. Now, Jonathan, you touched a little bit earlier about your experience that makes you qualified for the job. So in a way, you've answered my next question, but what do you identify as some of the key issues on a national scale that you feel would need to transcend party lines? Working together. Yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm from the Aloha State. I know how to work together. We, we, we struggled in Hawaii. We came through. I, I didn't go to a high school and graduate at the top of the high school, but I do have uh, the walking experience, uh, the, the intercommunications experience, as far as uh, the experience in Congress. I mean, working side by side, we have to do that. We have to uh, agree on making things, uh, agree on uh, making sure that we make good decisions. I mean, we cannot just make decisions among ourselves. I mean, we represent the peoples of our state. In terms of specifically back on the people of Hawaii, what policy or legislation do you believe that you would want to pursue in Congress that you would prioritize chiefly to help the residents of Hawaii? Now, you talked about it earlier, but is there anything we might have missed? Federal funding is, is one, but that shouldn't be a, a permanent program. Federal funding should be a temporary program. Again, for the state of Hawaii, we're lacking money. We're in a debt crisis right now. We don't have money. I mean, we got, we got the rail going on. That's one. We got education going on as two. Our public safety, yeah, maybe a little bit shaky here and there. But cybercrime, again, we look, we got the new one in Hawaii. I mean, it's it, it taking our children away. We, our, our cost of our economy is, is too high. 
So how do we leverage that? We leverage that by thinking of programs that we can bring to, uh, to the state of Hawaii that we can recover. It's going to take 10 to 15 years properly to recover. And the only way we can recover, sir, is raise taxes. Well, you got to street from Jonathan's mouth. I'm not about raising taxes. I'm, out, I'm actually wanting to put monies back in the people's pocket and not raise any taxes. Safety concern. Look, we got the pandemic. I mean, all of these things, yeah, we got to stay flexible when we make decisions. At the same time, we got to prioritize at the same time. So whatever comes to the plate, if you ask me, it's those five things. Public safety, elderly health care in Hawaii, infrastructure, which is the home, the homeless, the home program, the affordable homes program. I mean, all of this, education, these are the essential things that we need for the state of Hawaii. I mean, that's what I'm going to push up in Congress at the same time and for the state of Hawaii, for the people of Hawaii. That was Aloha Aina Party's candidate for Hawaii's 2nd Congressional seat, Jonathan Ho'omanavanui. He was talking with our producer, Harrison Patino. And that's a wrap for our show. Thanks so much for joining us on The Conversation on day two of our fall fun drive. We now return you to Pledge Central with Jose and Derek.